sometimes when the lights come back on, I just don't come up just to mess with people on the live stream. That's terrible. Don't do that to people. Hey, y'all. So I'm talking to the crowd that did not go skiing for MLK weekend. Are y'all okay with that? Obviously, you chose, not, you chose to be here. I think you made a great choice. I was not sure at first. Hey, this is our second week in this series called Seated. This is how we're starting the, the year. Um, three weeks in Ephesians chapter 2. The first 10 verses, we're talking about what it means to be seated with Christ. And I lost some of you immediately when I said that because you were like, oh, that sounds so religious. And it's not. It's not. This is who we are, y'all. We are seated in heavenly places with Christ. And so we, we know this as a church. Um, we should always be active, of course. But we say all the time that identity should fuel activity. You shouldn't find your identity in your activity. Right? So sometimes we get so busy doing things, trying to prove that we're something. But when we know who we are, that fuels what we do. You, you see what I'm saying? This will go way faster if you'll just say yes. Good. So, some of you are like, let's see if it really does go faster. You're just still saying yes right now. You're leaning over to people next to you saying yes, yes, yes. It's not working. Last week we talked about, um, let me just say this. Where we sit determines our identity. We talked about that last week. Our identity is shaped by what we hear. So I asked you this question last week. Who are you listening to? And when we're seated with Christ, we hear what he says about us and we hear what he prays for us. That's really good. Today we're going to talk about where we sit determines our destiny because we're led actually by what we see or we're led to what we see. And then next week we'll close it up with um, talking about how where we sit affects our identity. It determines our, our activity because we're motivated by what we're made for. So um, as we did last week, I'm going to ask you to stand. We're going to throw that slide up on the screen that's got all those words, so many words from Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. I'll read them for you. You can just listen. As for you, who's that talking about? <laughs> Some of you are like, you! You're right. It's talking about me. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. The first two verses were in past tense. If you're a Christian, follower of Jesus, that's your history, right? If it's your present, you might not be following Jesus. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. Wasn't that a great word this morning about mercy? We get more than we deserve. That's what we deserved, wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him. That's our phrase, in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. In order that, by the way, in order that means that there was a reason why you're seated. Okay? And it's not, you're going to see right here, it's not to kick your feet back and drink sweet tea. Although I love to kick my feet back and drink sweet tea, but he's got stuff for us to do. In order that in the coming ages, he, Jesus, might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. 
For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It's the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. God, right now I'm asking you to only allow people to hear your words. Man, if it's from me, just make it fall just off the platform onto the floor. We need you. We need the truth of your word. We need your word to be the living, active word that you said it was that would cut us to the core of who we are and expose us to you because you can heal us. You can teach us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Tell the person next to you, let's play a game. Okay, let's play a game. So we're going to play a game called the close-up game. Here's how this works. Um, because uh, I need you to see that where we sit determines our destiny because we're led to what we can see. All right? You're actually created that way. Whatever you're looking at is where you're headed. I'm not a golfer. Do we have golfers in the house? Are y'all scared to admit it? I'm, I'm not a golfer, but I do know this. When I, go, when I go golf, which is once a decade, like, I will grab the thing, which, it's the club, that's it, yeah, I'll grab the club, and I will, like, come back, and I'll swing, and I'll, and I'll just watch it, stay there, and then I'll try again, <laughs> and I'll swing, and, and inevitably, somebody who actually knows how to golf, I'm so thankful for these people that when they're humble, right, um, they will tell me, they will not say, like, you know, um, just, well, they'll say keep you on the ball for sure, but they'll always adjust my feet. Like, they'll, like wherever my, like, if my feet are that way, even if I'm trying to hit it that way, the ball's going to go that way. There's something about our bodies. We're just made. We go the direction that we are looking, that we're pointing, that we're aiming. That's how we're designed to be. We say this all the time. You can be one degree off course here, and no one will notice. But by the time you get to the back room, you're in that corner instead of over here. It matters which direction you're, you're going. And we're, the direction we head is determined by what we see. Sometimes we just get too close to stuff. And we lose perspective. And so I'll, I want you to know this, that God um, shifted some of this message for me this past week. And it really got me excited. And I'm really hoping I don't mess it up, right? Because I was just going to tell you that where we sit changes our perspective, right? Because I was thinking about all the times that I've gone places and had, like, like when I go to football games, I know people that are really big into fan, like fans, they want to sit down close. I don't. I want to sit in the upper deck. I want to, like, see the plays unfold, like, watch a guy catch the kickoff and go, like, he's going to return it because I can see how it's unfolding. I just love that up here perspective. And when we're seated with Christ, we get that perspective. And, man, how many of you know people right now maybe sitting next to you that need a different perspective, right? And so when we're seated with Christ, when we sit up high with him, it changes our perspective. And so I, I brought this, this game for us to play. It's, it's called the close-up game. And we'll, Russ and I will just kind of work through this. He's, he's going to show you a picture, and you're going to be able to tell people next to you what it is because you're brilliant people. And let's start with the first one. I think we have 10 of these. Just go ahead. I mean, you can say it out loud if you want to, but you can just tell the person next to you, what is that? 
It's some, Cecil said Star Trek. Cecil's wrong. Can we see what that is? <clears throat> it's actually the pages of a book. Yeah, see, do you see how this is going to work now? <clears throat> There's going to be nine more of these, and that's how they work. We're going to be in close, and you're going to figure out what it is, and then we're going to back out, and you're going to see what it is, and you'll be like, oh, I was so wrong, right? So <clears throat> let's try it again. Here we go. Something out of your nose. Well, I'm, I'm hearing fried chicken. I'm hearing Paul's toe fungus. What is it? It's, it's cereal. Did anybody get that right, by the way? Okay, good job. This is the smart section over here. Let's see if you can keep it going. All right, let's, next one. This is so fun. This is obviously something off of um, Alien. Okay, you got your guesses locked in. What is it? Cinnamon. Okay, I saw some clapping in the back. You got that right? Fantastic. You win a prize. Nothing. <laughs> Next one is, you're going to get this. You'll get this. I heard French toast. That was an amazing, he said French toast, and it is actually a cork. <laughs> so you were close, though. You were very close. Very close. So, <laughs> this is a hard one, I admit it. Any ideas? What is it? It's a flame. <laughs> Some of you are like, that was awful. <laughs> right? We have, um, okay, we're halfway through. Here we go. You're doing great. Venus flytrap? I don't, I don't know. Something violent, I feel like. Actually, you've seen this today. It's a guitar. Yeah. Did our guitarist get that? Four more. Here we go. Like, we've seen that before. This is cereal, right? It's not cereal. It is a honeycomb. Three more. I'll give you a hint. It's not a lemon. Hey, who said it's a lime? You're right. It's a lime. Good job. Two more. This one's impasta. Bull. It's pasta. I tried to help you out. And one, one last one. Obviously, somebody, this is what's growing in your nose right now. That's what this is. It is a pepper. All right, tell the person next to you that did a great job. It's fantastic. Or smartest people I know. Now, here's your big idea. What we see determines where we'll be. What we see determines where we'll be. This goes back to like when, we, when we're looking at something, that's usually where we're going. Keep your eyes on the right. <laughs> One person. It's not going to have an accident today. Good job, Debbie. Because like, like, if you took driver's ed, that's what they're going to tell you, right? Keep your eyes on the road, right? Like, look where you're going. What we see determines where we'll be. So I've got two points. Before um, Tuesday, I had one point, and I was good with it. But we're going to do some comparison, okay? So what we see is all about changing our perspective, 
What we see is all about changing our perspective because pers perspective helps us see our identity. It's the big picture that never changes, right? So if, if, if we could all like rocket up and look out 10 miles, we could go, oh, that's where we're headed, 10 miles, right? We, when we're raised up, we get the perspective of our destiny. We see where we're supposed to go. And many, listen, this is really critical. Many of the promise verses in the Bible, the ones that we make coffee mugs out of, are verses about your destiny. Here's an example. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. But thanks be to God who always, how often? Always. always leads us in triumph in Christ and through us reveals the fragrance of the knowledge of him in every place. Can we take a risk for just a minute and be super honest? How many in the room, and I'll go ahead and go first. I'll put my hand up before I even ask the question. How many in the room right now in your life? would say, I don't feel like I'm winning. Be honest. Look around the room. Okay, put your hand back down. Listen to the verse again. But thanks be to God who always, what? Well, I just raised my hand. What do I do with that? Right? This is, this is the perspective verse. This is a we're raised up and seated with Christ, and we get a different perspective. We look out and go, oh, over there, 10 miles away, it's a, it's a victory party. Like, they're having a, they're, I, think, I think I see a cake. This is going to be awesome. And we love this up here, don't we? We love to be up high. We love to see where we're headed. And, and, and I, I was super excited to preach that. But I couldn't get past that question of, I'm going to preach about victory to a church. Half of us just raised our hands and said, um, that sounds great, but I'm not really experiencing that right now. It's like, God, what, what, do we, what do we do with that? How does where we sit help that? And here's, here's the second point, okay? And then we're going to compare these, and I hope I don't mess any of this up. Point number one, what we see is about changing our perspective. We're seated with Christ, and it changes what we see. It changes our perspective. But what we look at is about keeping our focus. There's a difference between what we see and what we look at. And we need both. I know, it's confusing. Hang with me. What we see is what, is what we get when we go up high. And guess when that happens? Worship. I can't be the only person in this room who has, have, who has had a bad day, and then suddenly you hear a song, like, I don't know, like Jaira. I don't know what, which, I don't know what your jam is, right? But whatever, you're, whatever you like hear it and go, oh, that's right. It reminds us. It elevates us. It raises us back up. And in that moment, that song's playing, and we see, we see again, oh, that's where we're headed. We win. We win. And people like different levels of freedom, right? Some people dance when they hear that, 
And some people fall on their knees when they hear that. Some people look up the verses that we just read and reminds them that we win. We all have different responses, and you're free to have different responses, but we have to respond to the fact that we do win. And worship reminds us of that. The problem is when worship's over, when that song stops playing, the radio turns off or we go home today, something about like we come back down to walk it out. So the comparison I put was like many of the promise verses in the Bible that we love are about perspective. But many of the problem verses in the Bible that we don't like are about focus. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. Therefore, whenever you see therefore, you're supposed to ask what? What's it there for, right? So it's pointing back to the end of Hebrews chapter 11. If you've been in church a while, then you know that Hebrews 11 is called the Hall of Faith. It just lists all these amazing men and women who did amazing things for God. But it ends with these statements, that all these died without receiving the promise. And then after we read this verse, he's going to start talking about how the Father disciplines those that he loves. So they didn't get what they were hoping for, and then God loves people enough to discipline them. Neither of these sound good, am I right? And right in the middle of that, he says, therefore, since you are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. What the author is saying is, when you're raised up, you see this great cloud of witnesses, and you see, oh, the race is marked out. It's over there. That's the finish line. And then you come back down, and he says, now that we're down here, let's run the race with what? Perseverance, not with a party, right? Let's run with perseverance. Let's get to that place. But we have to actually walk to that place. And how do we do that? Fixing our eyes on Jesus. Up here, we see, and it changes our perspective. Down here, we fix our eyes on Jesus, and it's about our focus. What are you focused on? I feel like this was way better on Tuesday, but we're going to get there. What are you focused on? So here's why there's always these divides in churches. People that we love worship because worship is powerful and it raises us up and allows us to see where we're headed. It gives us that perspective shift. The reason that we sometimes find discipleship so difficult is because discipleship happens down here. It requires us to navigate the distractions that are in the path that's been marked out for us to get us to the end. So there are some, you ever heard the phrase, so heavenly minded, no earthly good? Well, we should be heavenly minded. Like we're seated with Christ. We have his mind. Like we should be mindful of heaven. But the phrase so heavenly minded, no earthly good, that's spoken about people who just want to shut themselves up and hit the playlist and never get involved in real life. And that's not his will for us, church. His will for us is that we would hit play, be raised up, 
see our destiny, which is that we are always being led in triumph. We win because we're headed to a victory party. But as we're going there, y'all, am I the only one who sees distractions everywhere? I mean, they're everywhere. You're going to walk. You won't even get to your car this morning before. You've, you've already been distracted. Some of you just came back from a distraction while I said that you've already been distracted. Like, oh, what, what did he say? Thank you for proving the point. Like, we're, we are so easily distracted by the things of this world. So, if you're taking notes, this is a hard one to take notes on probably. What we see is about perspective. It's looking out with the Father's eyes. But what we choose to look at is about focus. It's about looking up at Jesus with dove eyes. That's weird, isn't it? Dove eyes. Peter, remember when he walked on the water? And then... He began to sink. When did he start sinking? Do you remember? Right. It's all about what he looked at. So he was, Jesus, if it's you, tell me to come. And Jesus said, come. Although, if you're watching The Chosen, Jesus said, come. <laughs> right. He just said, come. But there was something in his voice, something about the authority in his voice. Like, he recognized it. And so Peter was like, sweet. Took that first step out. I don't know how many steps he took before Looking at Jesus turned into the wave behind Jesus, right? And then the wave behind Jesus made him realize there was a wave right here and over here. And then I don't know how far he got into the water. The Bible says that he began to sink, and immediately, that's the grace of God. That's the mercy of God. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and pulled him up, sat him in a boat. And I, I, I don't know, I picture Jesus looking at the others and going, why are y'all dry? Right? He walked on the water as long as he kept his fix, his eyes fixed on Jesus. Song of Songs, chapter 1, verse 15. Your Bible might say Song of Solomon. Um, if you are a single young man and you are trying to find a wife with whom to spend the rest of your life, you can make this a greeting card. That you slip to her as we're eating later. He says, how beautiful you are, my darling. Oh, how beautiful. Your eyes are doves. Your, your Bible might say your eyes are like doves, but like is going to be in italics because like wasn't part of the original language. It wasn't in the original manuscript. He literally said your eyes are doves. What color is your girlfriend's eyes? White. And they flap a lot. <laughs> if you get too close, they've got these beaks that will stick you. It's weird, right? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what I, I probably never said anything. I, I, I would have said, like, your eyes are beautiful. I love when your eyes look at me. All right, I'm, so I started, like, what, what does it mean your eyes are doves? So here's some science facts about doves. Doves mate for life. 
not, not mate and then mate again and then like keep on mating. They mate one dove for life. Now, don't let the enemy use that to condemn you if you've not mated for life. Hang with me. They can also only focus on one thing at a time. They can only look at one thing. They, they like, have you ever seen birds like turn their head? And it's like, that's weird. Like, you talking to me? It's because, they, like, we can move our eyes. They have to move their head to move their eyes. Doves, doves can only, they're singular in their focus. And, and what Jesus is saying to the church, because Song of Songs is definitely, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's something that a man was saying to a woman and a woman to a man, but it's also a picture of what Jesus says to his bride. And what he's saying to the bride is, how beautiful you are. Your eyes are doves. It's like, I, I love the fact that you are only looking at me. Like with all that's going on in the world, your eyes are doves. You are locked in. You are focused on me. Nothing's distracting you from me. And I'm telling you, I've told the story so many times. I was a panicked mess when Wendy and I were going to our wedding. Not because I was scared of Mary and Wendy. That was the best thing that ever happened in my life. But because I have this thing where when I get really nervous, it just comes out of my pores. Like I can just start sweating like banana. I don't sweat bananas, but you know what I'm saying. Like crazy like, I think even as I said that, I felt sweat drop down the back of my back right now. It's crazy, right? But I was so nervous that I was going to stand in front of the church full of people that I loved and some that I knew. <laughs> I knew you'd like that. And then I was just going to be like a sweating mess by the time that she got to me. And so, like, some of y'all, I've married some of y'all. I've done your, your wedding ceremonies. And, like, you've been like, what's, what's up with Paul? Why is he sweating? nerves y'all freaking out right just freaking out and I, I remember like god i, mean, I was i said again god please on this one day just please god i will people pray and stuff like i will serve you the rest of my life if you don't let me die in war right i said things like i will serve you the rest of my life if i don't sweat at my wedding please just give me this one day god because there's just something about having every eye on you that freaks me out like right now i'm a little freaked right now and i remember Standing there, taking deep breaths, and the minute the door opened in the back and Wendy walked in, there's no sweat, y'all. I didn't see anybody but her. It's just her. It's just me and her. I think there was a guy talking, which when I marry people, I know that nobody remembers me, right? I love that. I think there were people there, but I know she was there. And we locked eyes, and that was it. Your eyes are doves. And let me ask you this question. Are you focused on Jesus? It's one thing if you don't know your destiny. Like if, if I'm talking to believers that are panicked about the world, then you have forgotten that you win. That's a problem, right? We've got to be raised up and see with Christ so that we can remember, oh, 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 this life that is a mess is a temporary mess because we win. But the reason that we don't live it out here is because sometimes we forget to focus on Jesus. And there are things that happen in our lives, y'all, that are hard to turn away from. 
I watched a documentary this weekend on, it was called The Jesus Music. And what captivated me was they started talking to these artists that we've all known and loved about the hard things that they experienced in their lives while they were trying to get up on a platform and entertain us with their songs. And one person they talked to was Toby Mack, and I don't know if you know his story or not, but like one, the whole DC Talk thing didn't end well. There's that. And then he had a son who died of an accidental overdose at 20 years old. And, and he just, his, was his, his comment was something like this. Man, there are days when I know that I win. And then there are days when it's like I just got to remember to hold on to Jesus' hand. And, and then there are days when I forget to do that. Y'all, that's where we are, right? We talked about this, like, learning how to live victoriously when we're not winning, right? And I'm not trying to, like, tell you to go watch football, but when I watched the post-game interview with the quarterback for Jacksonville, and by the way, if you're a Los Angeles Chargers fan, I don't know if y'all are or not, but I'm not trying to, like, salt in a wound here at all, right? But they, they asked the question, like, I mean, when it was 27 to nothing, like, what, what, were y'all, what were y'all talking about? And he was just like, we can play better. We, we can do better than we're doing, and, and we're just not going to stop believing that we can come back. We're just one play at a time. Y'all, there's a lot of truth in that for believers. Sometimes it's just one day at a time. Sometimes it's one moment at a time. And what I need you to see is that even when Peter took his eyes off of Jesus, what did Jesus do? He reached his hand out. He, he did what every parent does when you really want to get your kid's attention, right? You don't go, Wendy, 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 because that would make you the same as your two-year-old. <laughs> that was a parenting lesson. You do this. Wendy. You get her attention. You touch her on the shoulder. He is the, oh, that would have been awkward. Let me go back over here, sorry. He's the lifter of our head. Some of you are like, do it to Cecil. Do it to Cecil now. Ain't going to happen. <laughs> no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Don't make out. He's the lifter of our head. That's the goodness and kindness of God. He's like, I need you to focus on me now. Not deny all the things that are going on around you. He says, because of all the things that are going on around you, I need you to look right here. Come on. Come on, let's go. Get, get my hand. Let's go. Come on. Follow me. That's what the gospel is. Romans chapter 16, verse 19. Paul writes, everyone has heard about your obedience, so I rejoice because of you. But I want you to be wise about what is good and innocent about what is evil. The word innocent that's used there is a Greek word used three times. Here's what it means. Unmixed, pure, as in wines or metals. Unmixed as of the mind, without a mixture of evil, free from guile, innocent, simple. Dove. He wants us to be innocent as doves when it comes to evil. Like, not go out and experiment with the world so that we have a better testimony. No. He wants us to have a testimony that is pure. Like when people say, like, 
what drives you, what motivates you. He wants our answer to be Jesus. And they go, no, 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 no. <laughs> Sorry. I meant like in real life. Oh, you meant like day to day. Yes. What motivates you? Jesus. He's the lover of my soul. He's the lifter of my head. And when I don't look at him and I get distracted and overwhelmed and I forget that I'm win- I go over there, to- I'm winning, we win. When I forget that, it's because I took my eyes off Jesus. I'm not focused on him. And if you're in that place, you need to hear me say sometimes the things that get our attention are valid. Like if, if it's, today's the 15th, is that right? We're halfway through the month. And if your bank account says you're at the end of the month, this verse is not saying act like you're rich. No, this verse is saying keep your eyes on Jesus. And as you keep your eyes on Jesus, he will take care of your bank account in ways that I do not understand. I've told you before, we bought our very first house when she was interning. or Yeah, and I was... In seminary, and we weren't making any money, and I, if you put me in a lie detector, I still can't tell you how that happened, except God. And that on whatever little bit we had, we, we gave it to him first. And it wasn't a mansion at all. I don't know how he does it, but he does something. Like when we fix our eyes on him, he takes care of the wind and the waves. I think in that same story, when they got in the boat, everything went, Shh. He does that. He looks at everything else while we look at him. One last point, and then we're going to stop. Okay. If, I hope this makes sense because it's, it's helped me a ton. Perspective is not the same as understanding. Perspective gives us clear vision, not necessarily clear thought. Because we can see the end, but we don't necessarily know how we're going to get there. Right? You you see what I'm saying? Like, I know that we're going there. And then you come back down and you start walking. Like, am I the only person who, like, can, can leave an amazing service, get in the car, and, like, suddenly you're like, your mind is mush. Like, what What, what now? <laughs> yeah. Uh, can I go back? And, listen, God in his grace, he says, come back up with me. Do you need to see it, you need to see it again? Come here. I'll show you. It's, it's right over there. Yeah, that's where we're going. So when you go back, you're, we're going to go back. We're going to go down together. I'm gonna, I sent my spirit with you. You're not alone. And we're going to take the next step this direction. Right? And we run into an obstacle. Huh. Anybody ever done that? And, and he's, I don't know if Jesus just walks through obstacles. I don't know. But somehow I have found myself between, like, I'm here, obstacle Jesus, right? And I'm like, where, where'd he go? And then that hand just reaches around, right? <laughs> Here's my hand. Just come on, follow me. I don't know how he does it. We keep our eyes focused on him, but just know that perspective isn't the same as understanding. Just because you see where you're supposed to go doesn't mean you're going to understand the path. That's why we have to keep our eyes on him, locked in on him. God, give us eyes like doves 